Welcome, my guest Ed Popsky. How are you? Good. How's it going, John? Thank Pretty you for having good. me here at uh, Above the Comedy Cellar, <laughs> yeah, which is very cool. Cellar. It's a cool location. Yeah, the, I love the location. It's usually at this hour. It's usually pretty dead, but a um, few people around. It's all right though. Uh, we found ourselves a nice little corner in the cafe. Yeah. And um, so Ed is obviously he's a comic. I know he's a he's a boxing fanatic as well. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, a enthusiast. Enthusiast. I don't think I'm a fanatic about anything, but <laughs> yeah, sure. He's a enthusiast. boxing enthusiast. Um, also Korean-American, but he was um, originally adopted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely wanted to dive into that first and foremost because um, that whole experience to me is just absolutely foreign. And I, I would love to have your take on, on the whole process. Take me back all the way to the beginning, all the way to the beginning. Sure. Um, and um, so y- your parents obviously from South Korea. Well, the real birth parents. Uh, so that's that, so. If we're going back to the very beginning, yeah. um, I did a I did a uh, I didn't know for the longest time because uh, I was abandoned without any documentation or information on on all that stuff. So when I was. Uh, given up for adoption i was uh found uh at what i guess considered like a residence or like a uh like apartment area um and i was found by a person who then turned me into the authorities who then turned me into the orphanage so with that i didn't have any information on like my name or my um birthday or or my like I mean, I was found in Seoul, so the, the assumption would be that they are <laughs> my parents would have been uh, Korean, but uh, but nothing you know solid uh, for sure. And the orphanage sort of guessed my age just based on my development when I was found. So you know they you know they get close enough with doctors and everything. Um, so then I took a you know recently two years ago I took a twenty three and Me test, and sure enough I'm like. Ninety percent, ninety percent Korean and ten uh, percent Jap- Japanese, um, with like a tiny percentage of mix of a bunch of other stuff. But um, yeah, so I can assume that both of my parents uh, are majority uh, Korean. But um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the very, very, very beginning uh, of that. Okay, so you're basically. Found at a residence and then placed into the orphanage at a you know yeah very, I was about uh, thirteen months old and then uh, so were you hopping around uh, different like foster places? No, I was just there uh, t- for about six months and then I was adopted. It was a full oh. adoption, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't foster care. Um, it was a full on uh, adoption with uh, that's pretty, a couple. Uh, is that quick? Six months because um, I feel like I feel like there are some people that get. It ca- I mean, I mean it's all relative, you know, and it's relative to the time it was, and it's relative to the, to the type of adoption it was. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it could be considered quick, but it also it, it's it's also one of those things where depending on where you're being adopted from, um, it might take a little longer. Also, it depends on your age. Oftentimes, people do want to adopt kids that are um, either infants or, you know, below the age of two versus older kids. Like, if you're given up for adoption past, like, say, six years old, it becomes harder, so then it takes longer then, and you might be in and out of foster care because there's less of a desire to want to, 
you know, take on a kid who may have other um, things instilled in them already. I think a lot of people, at least at that time when they adopted kids, they wanted, you know, pretty much as a fresh start as I guess you could get. Um, So relative, I don't know the particular stats, uh, but relative to my age, the time of, you know, uh, the time it was and where the adoption was happening, I would say it's probably average. Probably average? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, because I know, yeah, the ones that are in foster care that are older, I know it can be very, very difficult to find a home because a lot of people don't want to take care of kids that are that are older and that are, you know. Yeah, I think I there's, a, there's the, like I said, I think one, when people are trying to start a family, they, they want to start from like the like beginning. beginning. Yeah, they want to raise a, they want to raise a baby or an infant. And, uh, and then I guess the, you know, the uglier side might be, you know, people don't, are concerned with adopting an older kid because depending on whatever um, past they may have, if they there's probably a stigma on if they have some emotional baggage based on whatever their family life might have been that got them there. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's a thing too. Right, uh, so course. yeah, so I, yeah, like again, it, it adoption. I think that's the other thing is which when I talk to people about it is that I try to explain like there are a million unique stories, um, even though I think from a an outsider or a third party perspective, oftentimes there's like two stories that people like get get perpetuated or get seen a lot. But I think there's it's as nuanced as just uh, you know as a family who has kids from um, you know birth. You know, yeah, right. I think it's 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 the same. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so um, so you were adopted, and where are your parents from? My um, adopted parents. Yeah. Uh, so my mom is, well, I mean, she's, both my mom and my dad are from Philadelphia originally. Um, my mom's like part German, part Czech. My dad's part Polish, part German. You know, a bunch of like white mixed up in there, <laughs> yeah. um, white European. But, you know, they mainly are from Philadelphia. Uh, but at the time that I was adopted, they were living in California, um, so I was in uh, when I was first adopted. I spent about six years in California till moving back to Philadelphia with uh, my mom and my at that time adopted brother um, when my parents got a divorce. So yeah, they're they're originally they're originally from Philadelphia. And what was their? Um, did you ever ask them why they decided to go through adoption? Yeah, um, they couldn't have kids on their own. Uh, you know, like depending on, uh, you know, I talked to my mom about it and, you know, they were a little bit older when they decided to have kids, but I don't know that that was necessarily the number one reason they couldn't have kids. I think there was just, a, you know, uh, stuff going on between them, but essentially, you know, they decided to go the route of adoption. Um, and yeah, that's, I, that's. You know, pretty basic. Pretty a reason. little bit older. Are we talking like uh, like in their in their 40s? in their late thirties? Late thirties. Yeah, just I yeah. mean, not old, but just like for in terms of like I guess on average by having the kid discussion, probably yeah. a little bit older than usual than most than especially usual. back then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I and again I there's probably a lot of reasons based on what I know now about my mom and my dad, uh, but you know. Part of, part of it was, yeah, just they couldn't have kids on their own. Okay. Yeah. And do you remember being in California the first few years? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I kind of remember the preschool that I went to and our our home there and, 
you know, just the general area, riding bikes and stuff like that. There's definitely stuff I viv- I remember vividly. And, and where in California was that? Uh, so it it's it's a town called it's called Hollister, uh, California. Hollister. Yeah, I know it's weird when I tell people. And uh, the first time, funny story about that is the first time I ever saw a Hollister T-shirt. I yeah. was I think I was in high school, and I was in a mall, and I saw someone with a Hollister T-shirt and. Don't ask me why I hadn't experienced it before, but I, I actually like went up. I was like, hey, that's such a cool shirt. Are, are you from Hollister? And they looked at me like I was the biggest asshole in the world. They're like, no, obviously not. Like, I was like, oh, I'm, well, I'm sorry. I was like, well, where did you get your T-shirt? They're like, there's a store in this mall. They're <laughs> they like, probably it's... thought you were like straight from Korea. Yeah, they were like, what? Uh, yeah, so it was like, and there, the store was like new, newish, yeah. but it was like a couple of shops down. And I was like, oh shit. So I went to the store and I was like, this is weird. And um, I bought, <laughs> I bought a Hollister T-shirt from that. And then, is that, but is people that teased me about it later. Store, from that place? I mean, is, I don't know. I honestly don't know that the. It, it said like they have plenty of T-shirts that say Hollister, California, but it's not like while I was out there, did I see or know of a of a T-shirt I mean, like a small T-shirt company? But I mean, this was years later. I actually don't know what the the genesis. Of I mean, the how store many was. Hollisters are there in California? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so I assume like maybe someone from the area you right. know, was the founder. I don't know, but it's not. So whenever I say that, I, I, if people don't know or think I'm line or whatever it's like it's pretty close to san jose california we're right. about, okay we were about two hours outside of san francisco so we yeah, weren't so like, northern Ca- north california. yeah yeah okay yeah. very cool so um so then you're from north california then you moved to philly yeah and then you've been in philly since or i was in philly since uh yeah up, up through college and then i worked there a little bit i freelanced and did um you know, television work while I was there. I worked for a network, a kids network that was run through Comcast. Yeah. Um, I've been in New York now for about five, a little over five years. Um, and I moved up when that job, uh, when that net- network was sort of like bought up by NBC Universal and Comcast. Those two became one. So right, right. That's why I moved up. But, but I was there for most of my, for a good portion of my life. But going back, when did you, um, when did you know that? You were different from the other. Like, how, how did you? You know what I mean. Like, how did, uh, when, when, when was the realization? Like, in terms like, of like being adopted. Yeah. When was the realization uh, of like, oh, uh, their parents? He kind of looks like his parents, right? And I don't look like my parents. I mean, I knew, I, I, I knew that early on. I didn't think of it as like different or a, or a bad thing. Like, I grew up the, when we were in Hollister. The it was kind of diverse where we were. It was like, uh, and my preschool was was too. So, well, I knew I was. I didn't think about different – I didn't think about in that way. Plus, I was a kid, so, like, it just was like, this is my life and that's okay. I, to, to be honest, it wasn't until I got to Philadelphia when – I mean, we had already we were already going through a tough thing with the divorce. Uh-huh. And there was a big transition period then. And then coming to a school that was um, – in an area that was a little bit more predominantly white – uh, and that's that's why I felt different, though it did it did, wasn't always because I was adopted and my parents were were white and I had the name. Um, it, you know, I think it was more just the general part about being Asian and being yeah, one of because the few people of color in a certain area. I think that's where I felt more different than the adoption thing. Sure, the adoption thing was like another layer. Um, though, it, oddly enough, if anything, it was, it was something that kind of like maybe helped sometimes because my mom was uh you know 
because my mom was white, you know, it was like, I guess maybe I, in some cases I was accepted sort of, but I, I, yeah, I think it was just the, um, I still think I, people didn't tease me about being adopted. They teased me about being Asian. Asian. Okay. They didn't, they couldn't like, they're like, I was saying this to a lot of people is that there's only so many jokes you can make about adoption. And I think yeah. like once you once you have something as juicy as just being Asian, <laughs> they just well, that, and the I, and I was, it's like a fucked up area. Yeah, it's hard. To you know, you can of. make the adoption joke. I think it's like easier to make an adoption joke white on white. Like, yeah, because that's different. I think you know the Asian thing. It's like all right, we did our job. We made a an Asian joke. We're good. Yeah. So I think that's like kind of the thing is like I don't think people go that well. Kids especially don't go much deeper than whatever the surface thing is. Right. So it's like I was I was chubby. I was fat and I was Asian. So that was like easy. <laughs> and to go into another l- level of like adoption would be really hard <laughs> and like probably take some pretty research. Kind of up, yeah. And kids and kids <laughs> don't research. a ten year old doesn't want to do that. They're, they they just want to take whatever is the easiest thing. That's true. The, uh, the th- yeah, the thing I say is because I, I guess the West Coast is definitely way more progressive when it comes to just accepting people for what they are. I know Philly's a hard town, man. That's like a Philly's hard Philly's a tough town, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, I always say it's like a tough town, but I also, um, you know, it's kind of made me who I am too, so I get it. Uh, yeah, are there things that I that like were tough growing up? Of course there were, but I... Um, you know, it's, it's it's like a love-hate relationship, and I think, like, I, I do, you know, there's things, of course, that I can complain about and um, talk about, talk shit on Philly because I live there, um, but I'm always, you know, I'm always quick to defend it, too. Sometimes it's like, well, I can talk about it, but if you haven't lived there, you're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. one of those things where I think, like, everybody who has things that they, they love and they hate, uh, you know, you still hold some sort of, like ownership or pride over it if you have it yeah. well it just seems like every person that i've met from philly is like a tough person in a different way like i know some like like in my jiu-jitsu school i know some people from philly like they're just i don't know they're just hard people I yeah we like. try to <laughs> you know and i i always say that people from philly we have a we have a chip on our shoulder too and i i think it's something that we sort of like hold some like, pride in in some way <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes of course but i mean i i think I think I, you know, I love I love and I hate New York too, but that's, that's I true. think that's kind of the from what I hear from New Yorkers as well as the same thing is like, you know, there's things to love, there's things to hate, and you know, it's but that's part of the experience. Yeah. So when you were growing up, how interested were you in Asian culture, just being from the standpoint that you're at? Um, when I was growing up, almost was non-existent wanting to be i want i you know i wanted to be accepted for uh you know i i always i think i went through that phase where i was like oh i'm not i'm white basically you know i went through that phase for a long time um because of like the you know my peers and you know my family and stuff like that i think i just you know wanted to be accepted in that way too um in terms of like asian culture stuff it took me till like you know college and then soon thereafter i mean i guess you know i grew up liking dragon ball z like any <laughs> I feel, right. but i don't think that's specifically that's like across the board I don't think for that's teenagers asian, yeah. yeah but uh, the, you know there were things that i you know certainly uh like but things like the i think things like food the some cultural things music uh, and, and, you know, trying to get more involved with that, that didn't happen until I was in, like, midway through college. And then, uh, but then that was, a, I, I always say, too, that was a time where I was becoming more open to the world in general. So I think, you know, the Asian side of that was 
part of the, you know, just part of trying to be more exposed to a lot of different things anyway. Right. So when you're younger, yeah, I can I can relate to that because I grew up in like how how many Asian people would you say were in your like elementary school? Um, probably about I'm gonna say two other. That's like exactly three, like two me. or two or three because yeah, there was um, there was a uh, yeah yeah I want to say two or three others yeah 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 so. Yeah, I know exactly how it's pretty much the same exact situation as me where I grew up in a very, very white neighborhood. Yeah. And um yeah, even though I had Korean parents, I never felt like they were very like they would only speak to me in English, right? And like so yeah. I felt like I felt like I didn't I didn't really care for Asian culture at all when I was younger, actually. I didn't look up anything K pop related. Yeah. Like my parents would watch the Korean news, but I would not pay attention to that at all and stuff like yeah. that. I guess when you're younger, you just want to have fun. You just want to like, have, yeah, you hang wanna, out with your you, friends. Yeah, and you 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 gravitate towards the things that are popular in media too at the time. And not as many Asian things were popular in media. I think it. I'd be interested to talk to a kid who's like ten right now, like an Asian kid, even if they are in a predominantly white area now, because more and more, I think Asian culture stuff and media stuff is a little bit more popular now and i wonder if they're if it's just different now even if you are in a predominantly white because it's becoming more uh talked about and popular in white culture too well just the pc culture in general i don't think people are throwing out slurs nearly as often as when we were growing up you know (laughs) like you think you think you think kids are still doing that yeah of course so of course i I think so i I think so and i think now I think it's hard for me to uh, my my assumption always is I think um this country is big and I think yeah I think there's still and especially now with this the coronavirus thing I think that has like dug up some more stuff and like again people just I always say people are lazy so they're always just going to make jokes about whatever the the most topical, most easiest thing to do is. People are lazy and people want to be funny. And those when those two things come together, that's when you get, you know, just just random stuff like said on the street or like I'm sure kids get, you know, teased about it in, you know, schools cuz everyone everyone fancies themselves as a funny person. Yeah, it's um it's very it's just extreme ignorance. You know? Yeah, it's it's well. Yeah, it's ignorance, but I do think it's. Uh, yeah, I just think it's. It's. I think it's laziness too. <laughs> but yeah. ignorance, laziness. I well, the thing, I don't know. Like, yeah, I would really like to see, like a yeah, like you said, it's like a ten-year-old Asian kid in my middle school right now, how they're growing up because I do feel like, especially in the tri-state area, I think it's become a lot more progressive. I think like especially with the internet, I think it's a lot more exposed of like. Hey, don't say fucked up things to uh, people of color, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, th- but, but I'm I, sure there's going to be pockets of assholes everywhere. Yeah, right? but I think at the same time, the internet also generates, um, you know, you you mentioned the idea of PC culture, but I think there is the 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 internet also generates the idea that is sick of a PC culture or a progressive view. So right. it, it tends to push back on what we may consider a push forward. And I think people, you know, there are still people that I think say like, 
a joke is is just a joke or you know things should be like that should be okay so i i i venture to say like maybe obviously things are better in one regard but i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to think that they're that much better i guess is what yeah but then again maybe i'm a pessimist or a realist sometimes you've been in new york for the past five years right yeah Mm -hmm. and how long have you been doing comedy for uh probably about uh almost four years four years yeah yeah very nice. And uh, you were actually, so Ed actually produced the first Asian comedy festival, which mm-hmm. was, from what I saw, a very big success. Yeah. And what I guess you have been probably, probably the most influential Asian producer in New York City right now. Well, I... <laughs> I think that's, well, that's very nice and kind of you to say. I don't know that that's, I, I can't necessarily say if that's true or not, but I appreciate that. Uh, for people that don't know Ed, he, oh, he's always open to uh, giving new, especially people, people of color, uh, tries on his, on his shows, and he's always very, you know, everyone's very grateful for that. Um, and the Asian Comedy Festival, that was, that was a banger, man. Like, I got to see a few of the shows, uh, sold out, great yeah. crowds. And um, it's a good time to be Asian, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's it's good. It's better. I mean, I think there's still like an uphill battle with a lot of things, but I do think it's like I think for one of the first times, like we're very much a part of the conversation, and I think that's really cool. Even even just from a few years ago, like I started comedy six years ago. Okay, yeah, and even six years is not long, but even back yeah. then. You see a lot more Asians coming up that are have been probably doing it for five or less years now. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a slew of them that just started coming in with the past like five years. Yeah, and I think there's been a lot of uh, you know things like I think the success of Ali Wong, Ronnie Chang. I think some bigger names uh, uh, and things that have been happening in media have helped spur that on, which is great. And I think it again, it just adds more. More voices and more perspectives from from the, that area, which is great. It's, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome to see that and to be part of it. I appreciate that. Um, so, I, I, you're going to try to keep this an uh, ongoing thing every year? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's always about keeping interest up and finding a venue. And um, I mean, I I still produce a an all Asian uh, variety show called uh unwashed comedy night market um unwashed comedy is like just all stand up and night market is when i make it more of a variety show and like a talk show style thing and um you know trying to sustain that and like keep uh these types of shows going um to get to the next year because it did it was a pretty good success yeah um yeah i think it's been you know it's been really fun it's been great meeting other asians in media because um you know so they're Sometimes there aren't as many, depending on which area. But, um, yeah, it's just been cool connecting with the community in that way. And did you specifically start doing this just so? Because I feel like there was no cohesiveness within the Asian community. Like, I feel like when there was... uh, Like, last time that I went to go see your show, uh, just to hang out at Stand Up New York, 
um, there were like a bunch of killer Asian comics there, and we're just joking around, like, "Oh, it's the fuck! It's like the Asian Avengers right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this building." Yeah, and uh, I've never felt that connection before with Asian comics, where it's like, "Oh my god, we're in one space right now." There's like, there's like fifteen of us. Yeah, and we're just all hanging out as comics. It's like it was so cool to finally just like experience that. Is that what you were going for when you first started to like these shows and things like that? Is that yeah, I think I was trying to find. Um, I think you know. I think it was just something to, yeah, figure out who else was out there, and not and not like obviously we don't only interact with Asian comedians, but no, it was yeah. nice to, yeah, it was just ni- nice to kind of like know and also hear what I think also hear what their stories were and different perspectives and styles because there's I think a lot of people might think there's you know within a certain uh, group like uh, you know people of color race or whatever there's an assumption I think that it's it's a similar vibe or story and you know that's not true like you meet uh people and every comedian has a different voice or style and yeah there's some you could say like oh he reminds me of that person or she reminds me of that person um but i think finding the different uh you know styles and personalities within asian comics themselves has been really cool and rewarding yeah i think it's so interesting that especially with the the asian community like you have people on every part of the spectrum in america so you got like people who literally fresh off the boat mm-hmm. they come here they got a thick ass accent but they're still doing stand-up i think that's so dope yeah and then you got the people that are you know they grew up here their entire lives and they can you know um yeah people like me who are just you know integrated asian in the american culture but we have a different perspective being asian stuff like that yeah and then we got people like you i don't know any other actually i do you know who Jason Jason Rogers is? Jason Rogers, no. Yeah. Oh, he's another. He's another comic from LA. He's, uh, is he adopted also? Yeah, adopted oh, okay. Korean. Yeah. Um, and his story is pretty. Were, were you actually able to get in contact with your birth parents ever? No, I went okay. back to Korea a few years ago, and uh, you know, had some of the information and went back to the orphanage, but they didn't have any information. They put your um, they put your information like on a a database or a message board um, and, you know, people can come back and kind of like try to get information if they want. So, you know, it's the information's out there, but I haven't found any any relatives yet. Also, the 23andMe thing I took is like if other people take it and they find a match, like, you know, I always get a um, email probably like every month that says like we found new DNA matches, and it's always just uh, like people who have like point oh oh five. They're uh, like <laughs> four. They're like fourth distant cousins, so it doesn't really. We're we're barely related, if at all. So, yeah. um, but technically, if like if someone in my like let's just say like I had a sibling floating around out there, and they took the twenty three me and test, and we it would come back and it would alert us if you know if they were also open to that, it would probably alert us that we're we're related so yeah that's pretty cool though that they yeah. would it's a it's a creepy service but it is a little creepy i think like for think that cool. for that specific reason it's interesting um yeah i mean there's all there's so many other things to consider when you're like spitting in a tube and sending it off to a company <laughs> and uh you know but but i do think like uh, you know at I this think point, overall, I think at this point, thing. it's yeah, it's interesting, and you know, like I said, it's a long shot. But if it happens, it happens, and if it doesn't, it's okay. If you had the, um, if your parents or siblings did want to meet you, would you meet them? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be open to that for sure. 
I know some people, because I used to, I actually in college, I used to work with foster kids, and um, there was, a, you know, everyone has a different story. Every story can be so different from each other, and there's some kids that, you know, maybe they're, they have to have resentment, and they don't want to see their parents, but I think, you know, I guess in your case, you know, you, you didn't know them at all, so, you, you know. Yeah, no, I didn't. I don't know what the situation was. I mean, right. maybe if I found out. And um, the guy that I just mentioned before, he 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 did the 23andMe, and I think they did the, were able to find the parents. Mm-hmm. And now it's up to them if they actually want to meet up with him. Sure. Okay, yeah. But uh, they still haven't responded on that. Gotcha. On that yeah, end. sometimes, I mean, I, I get it. Sometimes people are like, you know, they feel they feel a certain way about stuff that may have happened in the past, so you know you can't force any sort of like it connection. can't be can't be easy to leave your kids somewhere. No, like no, I, I assume it's 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 probably the hardest thing a person could ever yeah, have to do. But a, I think it's the I think healing from that is is something that's hard, and for some people it may never happen. But again, I think it's it's I, I've sort of come to the point where I'm like I'm happy with what I've found out and. Uh, and whatever whatever would were to come after that would be you know I would be interested in dealing with it, but if it does if nothing else comes from it that's okay too you know do you have any siblings right now that are um uh not not biologically related not, but not, I know I mean, but no i have a I have a brother yeah. who's uh who was also adopted just from a different part in korea and he's um he lives in Dallas now um but yeah, so you're both Korean yeah he's from Busan okay yeah interesting. And uh, so just one brother, mm-hmm. and uh, that's very cool. Did he beat you up a lot growing up? <laughs> no, he was younger. He's four years. Oh, younger, he's younger. So, okay. Yeah, no, he. So you um, beat him up? No, we, we got into, we got into some things, but that's that that all came a little bit later. But um, no, we didn't we uh, we didn't get into too many physical fights, <laughs> but some, but some. I yeah, that's like the main thing I remember. Being a child is my brother just pushing me a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're you're the younger, he's yeah, the yeah. older. Okay, got it. There's even when we watch home videos, just my brother just like either pushing, pushing me, me in the snow or like <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna develop it. This is why I'm a fucking comedian now, right? Um, and uh, we mentioned before that I know that you were doing a podcast earlier about you're something about boxing, right? What, oh, like, so no, I was doing a. I have a podcast that you know like it's as everyone does but i want specifically just talking about movies and that one is where i um i I call it it's called ed picks a fight and it's just me um like bringing up a movie with someone else and usually the, the the idea is that uh i don't like the movie but they love the movie and it can be something as like it can be like a classic that everybody loves, or it can be a um, guilty pleasure that like nobody likes but this person likes. So it's just it's just discussing movies because I love talking about movies. Nice. Um, the boxing thing that I had was a web series where I would interview people and let them try boxing out. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I would like get them in the ring and let them try out like real boxing with either myself or um, or another uh, boxer, and then. I, in between rounds, I'd interview them and ask them questions. So that's a, that's a dope concept. I, yeah, actually, I kind of like it's kind of like off the concept of that show, the hot ones, where they eat chicken wings, the hot yeah, you know, yeah. the hot wings, yeah. and because I liked the idea of of you know putting people in a uh, stressful thing, but then asking them questions and seeing like what what shakes out of that and what yeah. um, becomes a little bit more 
unfiltered, maybe. Um, so I tried. I did about ten episodes of that one, and it's really fun, and people like it. But I also like it's a lot to produce. It's a lot to uh, it looks like yeah, put out and edit. And I think, you know, to try to continue to do something like that, I would need it to to somehow get sponsored. Or and I still have a full time job too. So it was it was like it was like I was piloting it and trying to see what I could do with it. I got you. Um, now that uh, Instagram allows for like longer videos, I might try to just release the re-release it on there as like the IGTV and just see if like if people like it there I don't know yeah 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 of course how long you been boxing for oh since I was like 17 oh yeah you've been boxing for a while for a long time yeah and um, you still like go to the gym to just hit the bag and stuff yeah I um actually I found a gym in New York that I really like called everybody fights um and I really like it and I found a really cool they have really good trainers but I found one that I like really like took to and yeah i still spar once in a while and still you know hit mitts with the with the guy and so i yeah i really like to keep up with it it's just like you know it's one of those things that i i fell in love with when i first tried it and have just enjoyed the you know keeping up with it as a hobby yeah. Do you keep up with any of the fights oh like watching boxing yeah from time to time i mean it's it's you know Everyone complains about boxing because you know it's it's it can be corrupt and um, some of the, you don't always get some of the best matchups you get you know but I think at a certain level and a certain rankings there are better there are more exciting fights because people are like are still I guess a little hungry and they're not like at the Mayweather's and yeah. the um, you know that levels um, but yeah I still like watching live boxing you, of course are you, lo- are you looking forward to the the Wilder Fury fight second yeah one? I mean uh, to be honest I don't. I'm no. not a big Fury fan. I don't. I don't particularly like his style, but because he's goofy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I just. I feel like, and I get it. He he's he moves relatively well for a big guy for a guy of his size. But I don't know. I'm just like not a fan of his. And Wild Wilder's fine. I I think it's like it's one of those fights that has come after the fact, like later than it probably should have. So you know. Yeah, I'm just sort of like whatever. Sure, I'll watch it, and but not. <laughs> I, I like. I li- also I like. Um, you know, I like fighters at more of the welterweight, like the the lighter weights. They're a little bit like the fights are a little bit snappier, and I more I don't, finesse. Yeah, the heavyweight fights. It's not like it's like when when Tyson was around. The heavyweight division just hasn't been as exciting for a long time. So. Yeah, I'm just not as interested in heavyweight as I am like I the lower the, the, lower weights. The Klitschko's really made me stop watching heavyweight sure. boxing well, for a while. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it just gets a little bit less uh, compelling at that point, right? And uh, so, who are who are your um, favorite like smaller guys then right now? Uh, there's a guy named Lomachenko. I like Lomachenko, and I used to. So I used to. Go to the same gym in Philly as this guy named Danny Garcia. Lomachenko? No, no, no. Oh. It's, it's this guy named Danny Garcia. Oh, okay. And Danny yeah, Garcia yeah. is from Philly, and he used to go to the same gym. And I've, like, um, you know, I've seen. I used to see him at the gym all the time, and like sparred with him once. But that was just because his guy dropped out and couldn't come and make it. So I was like, sure, I'll, yeah. His dad asked me. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess. I'll, yeah, sure. Um, was they that, just, man? They just wanted me to like throw punches at him just so he could get, so you couldn't, you know, so he could get at least that workout in for the day. And it was fun. It was great. And yeah, then, yeah. and then like a year later, he like won a belt, and I was like, holy shit, yeah, um, man. But he, yeah, he's uh, he's. 
you know, he's a, kind of a superstar out there. Yeah. And uh, I'm all, I'm just I'm always a fan because you know he's from. I'm, he's a Philly boxer, and I'm, I usually obviously lean towards Philly boxers. Yeah, so. man. Just, um, the, just I've, the I've, fact I that you guys to like get in the same ring as him and just work a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, you know, I, I, I follow him pretty closely just to see what he's up to. And, uh, yeah, Lomachenko's great. He's got, um, you know, I, I do like, uh, I like Canelo. Um, and, yeah, that's that's probably it. That's probably my, my top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Lomachenko, yeah, I, yeah. I learned recently that his dad made him do like four years of salsa dancing. His what? His oh, dad. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, his dad. So he said he wanted to be a boxer. His dad was like, "All right, you're gonna do four years of salsa dancing first. I was like, "That's." Well, he's smooth. He's got great defense. Like, and he's got great head movement. So like, that's so. I was such a weird thing to say, but like I, it makes sense, I guess. The footwork. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want to have good footwork. You want to have good balance. Um, and he gets angles on people that no one else does. And I guess that's from the dancing. He, yeah, yeah. He he moves quicker than than most, and that's like that's, that's weird, like huge. Like, Bruce Lee was also like a salsa champion. He did some sort of. Hey, dance. there it is. We should all. <laughs> we if, you all be, if you want to be a better fighter, you got to get into some sort of dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you watch any MMA? A little bit, but I'm uh, I'm less of an MMA person. I respect it, and I've you know done. I've trained a little bit of like, um, you know, I did a couple months of jujitsu. I did a couple, a little bit of Muay Thai. Um, but in terms of watching it, I, I don't watch it as much. I think because I, yeah, I've just never connected to the, to the style of it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I just like, I guess I'd like the pure, uh, you know, I guess narrow, some could say narrowness or the specificity of boxing. Um, and I do like kickboxing too. Like I'll watch kickboxing from time to time, but I just like you know the, when it's filtered down to the idea of like stand up and striking. Yeah. And I guess when I have watched MMA, that's when I've been more uh, interested in and like seeing the, the people who are strikers and are better at striking. The wrestling and the um, jujitsu side of it is less compelling to me, but that's just I guess I didn't grow up it's watching it. Yeah, it's just a preference just thing. Preference. But I respect it wholly and I think like I would never wanna I would never wanna match up against an MMA person. <laughs> um I'd probably get tuned up real fast. So yeah, no, I just but myself as like a, a viewer it's not what I go it's not what I gravitate towards nice, right man. away. We but need, if, we need to we need to trade some skills off someday. Sure. I'll teach you I'll teach you some jujitsu. You oh you're oh so you're very into jujitsu. I'm very into How long have you been doing that? Uh, it's probably been about five years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did it for a little while, but it was one of those things that I, I think my brain didn't, uh, work well for like the different holds and the different grapples and like the, the style of it. And I always ended up wanting to just ended up like, striking, <laughs> punching someone. And, um, yeah, it just did, uh, it, it, it was just a different, yeah, thing. And I never took to it, but I know some people are like, like love it. Like yeah, absolutely love it. We're, we're. Dude, we're the same person, just different spectrum. Uh, sure, like, sure, yeah, sure. The, like I did a, I did a few boxing um, Muay Thai classes. It's fun, but you just gravitate towards whatever your style. You know, yeah, if you yeah, like yeah whatever it is. You sure. like grappling. If you like punching people, you like punching people. Yeah. Um, very cool, man, dude. We are coming up to an hour now. Oh, okay, cool. That's usually dude, how long the interviews are. That's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Timed out. Timed out well. Yeah, man. Um, 
Um, you have anything coming up soon? Any yeah, shows? so I have um, I have that that comedy variety show that I was telling you about called Night Market, and that's on February 29th um, at 9:30 at the Pit Loft. The Pit Loft is Pit Loft, everybody. Uh, yeah, the Pit Loft, <laughs> and that'll be fun. I've, I'll have uh, stand-up comedy on that, but I also have an interview with a author named Frances Cha, and she has a new novel coming out, and then. Uh, one of the performers, and what they, they've they've been doing a lot of stuff in New York. Um, a group called Asian Pop. Uh, yeah, it's all yeah, female, yeah. and they do like songs and sketches and stuff like that. They're going to do like a musical set on the show. So I usually like to have a musical act, an interview, and some stand up um, on the show. So yeah, so that's going to be on February 29th. Very dope, dude. Yeah. Ed. I appreciate you doing the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on it. Thank you so much. And uh, oh, so your uh, Twitter, Instagram handle? Oh yeah. So you uh, usually I'm on Instagram the most, probably uh, at e p o p s k i e popsky. So if you want to follow me there, or you can follow at unwashed comedy, which is the all Asian comedy stuff that I do. Um, so you can follow. Either of those for any updates or stuff that I'm that I've got going on. And you be touring with Ronnie anytime soon? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, whenever he's uh, around, he's been he's very cool and gracious about putting uh, Asian comics on as like his openers. So I, I don't have anything planned coming up. But you know, he's he's a really good guy and he's I, been really cool. I saw your name in the credits, bro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah his Netflix special that was that was a very nice uh, surprise and gesture. Um, from having him on uh, shows I've had in the past, that was very that was very cool of him, and I was very surprised to see it. I had no idea it was going to happen. So, see him. See if that's all. If that's all, I wherever I see my name, then that that'll be I'll, be, I'll be satisfied. That was really. I'm cool. sure we'll see your name more and more yeah. uh, as the as the years go by. But um, yeah, thank you again, and uh, and uh, have a good day, everyone. And we'll be back next week. All right, thanks. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast once again. I really appreciate your support. If you like the content. Please subscribe, rate of five stars. You can follow me on all platforms on social media at John Kim Comedy. And until next time, have a great fucking week. Yeah. Yeah. I fantasize about this back in Chicago. Mercy, mercy me, that mercy a lie go. That's me. The-